Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Fire coming straight your way over here. Um, yeah, thanks for coming tonight, guys. Good to be with you virtually, and uh, thanks, yeah, for being part of RUF uh, through the COVID semester so far. And um, you know, I'm just really thankful for this community that has come together in this time. And um, you know, we're getting close to the end actually you know getting close to the end of our study in the sermon on the mount which is has been great and i know that some of you are already home or getting ready to go home and uh so praise god for getting us through uh some weird times um so yeah we're kind of at the point in the sermon on the mount where like jesus is wrapping it up and what we've seen so far is that Jesus, his Sermon on the Mount, is uh, <laughs> the point, kind of the point of it is that he's come to bring in his upside down kingdom, to inaugurate his kingdom. And what we've seen is that, you know, Jesus's kingdom is so different uh, from the, the way we would have our own kingdom or the way that we tend to operate and uh, it specifically focuses on like the heart and the character of disciples. So, you know, when you think of like, you know, who is faithful, who is a disciple, uh, what we've seen is that it's not like superhumans, but it's actually failures who have been transformed by the king. Um, and, you know, what being a disciple looks like is, you know, a deep heart righteousness uh, as a result of knowing Jesus and this selflessness that flows out of it. And, and so Jesus has gone through all these, this teaching. And now he's at this point where he's like, you know, what's the bottom line? How will you, now that you've heard what the kingdom is about, how will you respond? And that's where we come to our passage for tonight, which is Matthew seven, starting in verse 13. Uh, So let me read it for us. Matthew seven, 13 through 20. Um, do we have it there, Sophie? There we go. Okay. Um, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Uh, tonight we're going to look at this text in kind of a simple way. We're just going to look at the two, there's two gates and there's two trees in this text. And so I want to look at the two gates first. And at the beginning of this passage we just read, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. And, you know, there's a wide gate and a narrow gate. And, you know, the wide gate is on an easy path. And it says there's a big crowd there. And it's a gate that ends in destruction. And then he says there's a narrow gate. And the narrow gate is on a hard path. And there's a small crowd there. And he says it ends in life. And I want us to start by just thinking about like, why is there a big crowd at the wide gate and a small crowd at the narrow gate? Uh, you know, think, what are the roads? What are the gates? What do they mean? Um, you know, and I think our first instinct is to think like, oh, those are the good people. And those are the, you know, the good pe- people are at the narrow gate, bad people are at the wide gate. Um, you know, those who do good and those who do bad. But if you've been around this semester, you, what you've seen is that like, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, that's not the case at all. Um, you know, think about the Beatitudes that start with, you know, the very first part of the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we've been looking at Jesus teaching about like, you know, the law and how he says, you know, like, don't think that like, just because you've never murdered someone, you're any better than them. Because like, essentially, we're all murderers in our hearts, if we ever get angry. And, you know, we looked at this idea of judging others last time, and, and how what Jesus has come to do is just level the playing field, uh, so that no one's better than anyone else. Um, and so the big crowd and the wide gate then has to represent the way that people think about relating to God. Uh, so the wide gate is the way we want to relate to God. And we've talked about this idea of the vending machine, the vending machine God, like I control it. I put in, I do something good. I get something good in return. Uh, he rewards me. He owes me like a good life because I've been like pretty good. And first of all, there's a lot of self-deception involved in that way of thinking because it's like, you know, who among us is really good? Like, who would want our life examined closely to find out if we were really good? Um, and so what that comes down to is really just like karma. You know, like, there's a reason karma is popular. We like it uh, because we like to earn points. Uh, when I was a college student, like like you guys, uh, one summer I worked at a sleepaway camp for boys and, you know, like little kids, it was like the kind of camp where you like get dropped off for like three weeks by your parents. And, and anyway, little kids, like eight, nine, 10 year olds. And, you know, you need a way to like control these kids. And so one of the, of the things we did is that we had this like point system and the whole camp was divided into two tribes and you could like earn points for your tribe by like, and the counselors would like abuse this all the time. They'd be like, you know, hey, if anybody gets my water bottle, like, I'll get you, like, your tribe will earn a point or something like that. So we were just like, and, you know, the kids would just be like, they would do anything for these points, you know, like, we didn't actually even count that, like, they didn't know that, but, like, we didn't count the points, but for them, it was just like, I want the points. Uh, I'm a point guy, you know, credit card points, whatever, like, I like earning points in general, uh, we love it because uh, points give us value. Like they're my points. I earned these. And that's how we want to relate to God. And the problem with that is that the Bible teaches 
you've, that we've all lost our value because of sin. Uh, you know, we fundamentally lose our value when the one who made us in love and loves us uh, incredibly when we turn on him, when we run from him, when we rebel against him. And, you know, it's so, that idea is so offensive that you can't just like earn your way back from that. You know, like there's some things you can do in life that there's just no like earning your way back from, but we try to earn our way back. You know, this is the way most of us live is we're earning our way back. Uh, I can live a good life. I can like get my act together or I can do well in school, or I can do well in career, I can do well in how I look, or uh, whatever. I can load up my life and just never rest and always produce and produce and produce. And these things all come up empty when we're using them to gain value. Like, they just don't. They don't get us anything. Um, And so what's the solution to that? Uh, The solution is the narrow gate. The narrow gate, you know, Jesus is the narrow gate. Uh, He came to the earth to die so that he could give us his value. And what the Sermon on the Mount is teaching is that when your value is found in him, then a righteous life will flow out of you just like fruit flows out of a good tree, a healthy tree. Uh, So you you can't earn a fraction of anything from this God. Uh, Why is that hard to accept? Like, why is the crowd at this gate small? Why is the road difficult? Uh, And it's hard to accept because going through the gate is going to mean letting go of everything that we hold on to for our value and find find our value only in him. You know, like, I want you to, as you think about this text, like, think about an actual narrow gate. Like, it's the gate is so narrow. And, like, we all come out the gate with, like, a backpack on with all these things that, like, we cling to for value. And it's like, you got to start taking some stuff out of the backpack or you're not going to fit. Like it will be impossible for you to fit through the gate. Like you have to let go of your precious points uh, to get into the gate. You know, these ideas like, you know, God loves me because I'm pretty smart. Like that's, you know, throw that out of that. God loves me because my life isn't messy. You know, like I've got my act together. That's why God loves me. First of all, your life is messy. And, you know, if you don't know that yet, you'll find it out the hard way. But you got to get that out of your backpack. Um, You know, I'm a self-sufficient person. I don't create problems. Throw that out. Well, you got to throw out all these ideas, these self-conceptions to get in the gate. Um, You know, think about the first words of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the qualification. You have to be poor in spirit. You have to have nothing to offer. Uh, in other words, to follow Jesus, to go through the gate, uh, you just have to have no points. And we hate that. Um, and you'll only be able to see that you're spiritually bankrupt if God shows you that, if he opens your eyes. So instead, we look at this narrow gate. We look at this difficult path. And we say, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to go on that difficult path through that narrow gate. If I go, if I literally take everything out of my backpack, it's just going to kill me. Like, I can't survive that. 
And uh, this is typified in this amazing scene in the Chronicles of Narnia with uh, Eustace and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, if you know those books. And if you don't, you don't really need to know. It's a magic, these kids from England that go to this magical land of Narnia and they have this one cousin named Eustace who's just like the most horrible person in the history of the world and he somehow like kind of sneaks onto their trip to Narnia and uh, he's just awful and they can't stand this guy and they're in this on this island and he falls asleep on a pile of treasure and he wakes up and he's turned into a dragon and this lion shows up Aslan who represents Jesus and he leads him to this pool where he's supposed says like you have to bathe in this pool And Aslan says, you have to undress first. And so Eustace, who's now a dragon, starts peeling away at his scales. And like every time he peels a layer off, there's just another layer and another layer and another layer. And finally, Aslan, who represents Jesus, says like, it's not going to work. I have to undress you. And then he says that, and this is Eustace telling the story. He, He says this, he says, I was afraid of his claws but I was pretty near desperate now. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I had done all those other times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying in the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. Then he caught hold of me and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. Then I saw I turn into a boy again. Um, The gate is narrow because it requires faith in Christ alone for salvation. Uh, There's no, it's narrow because you have to say, there's no good people, including me. God has to make me good. And the road is hard because along the way, God will continue to take more and more of your baggage off of you. These points you cling to, these things that you want him to love you for. Until all that he can love you for is his own love. Uh, Until you can say, all I have is Jesus and that's enough for me. Uh, What's it like on the other side of the gate? It's life. It's, you know, you go through the narrow gate and then it's just like spaciousness. It's true freedom. It's being treasured. It's being loved. It's being adopted, um, delighted in by the only person in the universe that counts. And it takes a radical transformation to get there. Uh, So going through the gate may feel like death, but on the other side is life. Um, the broad gate looks much more inviting, but when you pass through, it's the opposite effect. It smothers you. Uh, but the narrowness leads to life. So those are the gates, but I want to look now at the trees. Uh, did you notice in this passage, it talks about the trees and the fruit. And, uh, it's not a coincidence that Jesus talks about false prophets, uh, because as we travel on this road, this difficult road of following Jesus, our tendency is going to be to like soften Jesus's message somehow, uh, just to have some kind of alternative to Jesus's way. Like we, what we want is normal religion. Like we can, I can manage normal religion. I do X, Y, and Z. I get that in return. 
Um, I try hard and God rewards me. You know, I want other options. How can there be just one way, God? You know, how, how narrow is that? Uh, how can you claim to know the one way to God? Um, you know, that's what we want. And Jesus tells his disciples, you know, look out for these guys because they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, you know, a prophet is someone who speaks for God. And after Jesus, there were all these people that came that were like, you know, claiming to speak for God and telling people like, this is what God says. And people don't really do that as much anymore today, but there's plenty of people that claim to like, know what God thinks today. And Jesus calls these people wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, you know, there's a lot of messages that are really not Christian messages that can seem pretty attractive to us. Uh, let me share a couple with you. Um, the first is like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could just choose the parts you like from the Bible? Sounds kind of good, right? Like it's the Bible. It's good. Like, why can't we just pick the parts we like? And, you know, it sounds good. But the problem is, you know, soon there's no truth at all. Like, how could you know which parts are the right parts to pick? And there would be no assurance of anything if you actually lived that out. Like you could never know if you picked the right parts. Um, or here's another one, you know, why can't God just let everyone in? Like what's with the two gates? Why not just one gate? Why doesn't God just let everyone in? Sounds pretty good, right? But then, you know, if that were true, there would be no justice and people like the worst people in the world would be in. And we wouldn't actually want that. Or someone that hurt you very deeply would be in. Um, so that doesn't work. Another kind of like uh, enticing kind of alternative to Jesus's way is this like what a lot of preachers say, which is like, hey, you can do it. You know, if you work hard enough, you can do it. And that fails because it's like, well, what if I can't? Like, what about the disappointment of failing? Like, what am I supposed to do when I really just can't do X, Y, and Z? Um, and so Jesus gives us this test of false prophets. He says, they'll be known by their fruit. Uh, you know a tree is good if it produces good fruit. You know a tree is bad if it produces bad fruit. And the way you know like that you can trust someone speaking for God is if you look at their life, if you observe their life and those they teach. And only Jesus, the narrow gate, can produce the life that's talked about in the sermon. You know, what we've talked about all semester, mercy, being pure in heart, giving to the needy, not worrying about the opinions of others, running from anger, running from lust, being generous with your stuff. Uh, trying hard cannot get you to those qualities. The only thing that can get you to those qualities is Jesus. It's having his life count for yours. Uh, so this is a test for like, you know, who's a false prophet, but it applies to us too. Uh, the way to know if you're truly his is if your life starts to look more and more like him. It doesn't mean like tomorrow you look like him, but uh, it starts to look more and more like his life, like the life that's depicted in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the sobering question that this passage asks of us is, is my life bearing any fruit? 
is there fruit in my life? Can I look back and say, you know what? Like a couple years ago, I was this way and he is changing me. Uh, you know, am I on, or another question would be like, am I on the easy road or am I on the hard road with the narrow gate? Uh, you guys all know about my kids, I think. Uh, and last year, there was this thing, before COVID, there was this thing called the flu that doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Uh, but we all got the flu in my house last year, and they have this medicine for the flu called Tamiflu, which like barely works, but we, tr- you know, supposedly makes it a little better. And so we were all taking Tamiflu, including at my son Asher, who was two at the time. And you know, so every night we'd like try to give him his Tamiflu in this like syringe, and he would just be like, you know, thrashing. And you, we would like, so one of us would be like holding him down, and the other one's like injecting the liquid into his mouth, and he's just like spewing it back at like, and like Tamiflu, if you get it in your eye, burns, and so. He's spraying Tamiflu. All of us, including him, me, Maggie, we all have like Tamiflu in our eyes and it's burning and he's screaming. And, you know, all we're trying to do is help this boy feel better from the flu. Um, In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to show us that we're like Asher. We don't on our own have any clue what's good for us. And he's inviting us to humbly submit and say, yes, Jesus, you're the king. And I'll follow you, even if it hurts, you know, even if the Tamiflu tastes disgusting and I don't like it. Even though I may not understand why, uh, because you're the king and it's your world. Uh, Because you're the king, I'll run from lust because you say so. I'll run toward being a merciful person because you say so. Uh, I'll run toward giving because you say so. Um, You know, how can we do, like, if we're Asher, how can we just sit there and take it? How can we go on the narrow, difficult way? Um, The way we can do it is to look at the way that Jesus took. It's amazing, you know, if you go to the end of Matthew, just, you know, 19 or 20 chapters after this, Jesus is about to go die and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's amazing because he prays to the father. And the question he asks is, is there any other way? Like father, if there's any other way, literally any other way, let's do that way instead. Is there any way I can have like this crew of people that we've committed to saving? Is there any other way we can do that? And there's just no answer. There's no other way. But by dying, you know, by suffering, by the Trinity being yanked apart. And so that's what he does. And when that's, when that's the God you serve, you can take the plunge. Like, the, it'll still hurt, but it'll be worth it because what you're getting in, you know, the gate will require everything. I mean, it'll require you to just be stripped bare. Uh, but what's on the other side of it is freedom and love. Um, you guys have no idea 
how beloved you are by him. If you knew, it would destroy you. It's so good. It would melt you. And it's true. Only a love like that would go to the cross. And because that's true, like you can be a messed up person and just admit it. And admit that you need help. And come together in community. And live out this life. And it's really the only way. Every other way is just darkness. Every other way is just death. So let's pray that Jesus would take us on that way, the good way. Let's pray. Father, we uh, desperately need your help to be able to let go of the things we cling to for value that are not you. Help us, we pray. Uh, Set us free uh, with your gospel uh, that just tells us of your love. I pray that we would know that deeply so that we can let go. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.